issue of storms. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, we'll, we'll, we'll read it again real quick. There's a story in there where Jesus led his disciples, got, told them to get into a boat and sent them out on a lake and a big storm whipped up and brewed up. <laughs> in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat Go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitude away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Jesus prioritised prayer. I think we should too. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. There was a big storm going on. And the point I want to make is that Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. Uh, I used to, in my previous church, when I was, I was working for another church, one of the things I love doing is going deep sea fishing. I really enjoy fishing. I don't get a lot of time to do it anymore. But um, uh, I used to have a, uh, the senior pastor of the church that we were working with had a, a nice big fishing boat. And uh, we used to love to get up before the sun came up. And I'm not a morning person, so I've got to be passionate about something to get up when it's still dark. But I used to get up for my fishing and... Uh, and the first thing we would do is, is we would go to Missingham Bridge and I would do it and he would do it and we would just have a look to see what the bar was like and see what the weather was like. If conditions were good and it looked like it was clear and we'd check the weather report the day before and be in communication with each other, well, winds are coming from the, you know, the south, southwest, whatever, it's this size swell and so on, the tide's doing this, it looks good, let's go for a fish. We would plan it and if the, if the environment was good, we'd go out. But there were many times where we would get up in the morning and the wind had changed direction and maybe a storm had come, and it was just terrible, woeful. And uh, so we would cancel our trip because you don't want to be out on a boat in the middle of a storm. Now, Jesus is a pretty intelligent fella. He's probably the best weatherman that's, that's ever been. He knew a storm was coming. He knew there was going to be a storm. He knew there were going to be big waves. He knew that a boat out in the middle of that's going to get tossed to and fro. He knew the dangers associated with it. But the Bible says he sent them on the boat and sent them out. He knew that storm was going to be there. Now, if God is loving and if God is gracious and compassionate and if God is all the things that the Bible says he is, then either that's not true and God is cruel and sends us into situations because he wants to see us panicking, he wants to see us get hurt, and he wants to see us fail, or God is everything the Bible says that he is, which means that there's a reason, a God-ordained purpose for the storms and the trials that we find ourselves in. I think from a good reading of the Bible and from my own experience in life, I believe the second. I believe that there is a God-ordained purpose for many of the pressures and the trials and the things that we go through in life. Now, I know that may sound like it's not overly Pentecostal preaching. I don't mean to not be overly Pentecostal, but I also believe that we need to live our life by the word of God. Is that right? Not pick out the bits that we like, the bits that make us feel great, not pick out all the rah-rah. The bottom line is there's a lot of people in the Bible that went through a lot of stuff, and a lot of them went through stuff way worse than you and I have ever been through. I have never been placed into a fiery furnace. Who's been placed into a fiery furnace? Who's ever been beheaded? I haven't. Sometimes after listening to me, you may think I have been, but the truth is I have never been beheaded. I have never been thrown to a lion. Anyone ever been thrown to a lion here? Nobody. You're kidding. Gee, you guys have had it easy. Wow, what a blessed life you've had. I have never been thrown to a lion, but I've been through other things. I've been through other situations and other pressures. And I know this, that 
while I went through those situations and those pressures and even the ones I'm going through now and the ones I will go through tomorrow and next week and next year, God will be with me through every single one of them. And I know another thing, a lot of them God has allowed me to go through. He could protect me from them. He could take them away. He could do that. But we see in the Bible, in this particular situation, Jesus walks out, the disciples panic, Peter walks on the water. We know the story. Uh, We see on one or two other occasions in the scriptures there too, where Jesus went out into a storm on a boat and everybody panicked. And God, don't you care about us? How can you sleep through this? Wake up. Don't you know we're going to perish? He wakes up, he calms the storm, then he turns to them and he rebukes their lack of faith. So there are situations where, yes, God could come and he could calm the storm and take away the situation. But you know what? I'd be missing something through it. We think the miracle is to calm every storm. I think the miracle is looking at Jesus asleep on a pillow in the middle of a storm. That's a miracle. How many of us can have that kind of composure and peace and trust in the Father as we go through those storms? I think that's real faith. That's real faith. And so when we go through storms, there are purposes and there are reasons why God allows us to go through some of the stuff that we go through. Now, if you weren't here last week, please uh, jump on the the iTunes uh, Arise Church. Is it Lismore, Luke? Arise Church, Lismore. And listen to last week's message. We just laid a bit of a foundation about storms. Just talked a little bit about some peripheral issues that will probably answer some questions that may come up as we go forward in this. So rather than cover old ground, if you didn't hear it, uh, please jump on iTunes and have a listen. The next few weeks, I want to start to look at what are some of those purposes. If there are God-ordained purposes in the middle of storms, if there are reasons why we go through some stuff, then there are outcomes for those reasons. Then what are some of those reasons? What are some of those outcomes? And I can think of about six things when I reflect and look at my own life. And so over the next few weeks, we just want to uh, breeze through some of these things, just give you some things to think about. You may be going through pressure right now. As a matter of fact, if you're not going through pressure right now, enjoy it because you're going to eventually. Okay? How many of you know that storms come? And how many of you know that when a storm finishes, it's just the calm before the next storm? How many of you know that? You, if you live life long enough, you realise that we, we have this idea, some of us, that we just want this utopic world. And when we have utopia, then, then I will prioritise God. Then I will be able to make prayer a priority. Then I will be able to commit and make you know, fellowship and coming to church a priority. Then I'll be able to, to give an obedience to Scripture. Then I'll be able to love that person. Then I'll be able... Then I'll, then, then. Then I'll be able to be the best employee at work. And we're waiting for this utopic, perfect world before we make these decisions. It won't happen. It won't happen. We've got to learn to make decisions and tough decisions in the middle of storms. We've got to learn how to handle and manage those things and get out of them that which God wants us to get out of them. Otherwise, you know what happens? My experience is you just go around the mountain. Jesus can calm the storm for you, stand up, rebuke it, Turn to you and go, I can't believe that you couldn't trust me through that. I don't know why, but there's a reason. So what I'm going to do is take you around the mountain again and we'll come back to the same road bump and let's see if you learn it this time. Anyone else's experience been like that? I've been around so many mountains because I refuse to listen to God, because I refuse to obey God. And I go around mountains. If you want to know what a mountain looks like, read the book of Judges. It's just one big mountain 
There's a cycle. Israel turns their back on God. As a result of that, God withdraws his hand. Enemies come on in. They overtake the nation. The nation cry and whinge and complain. Then one day some smarty pants goes, hey, maybe we should just repent, humble ourselves, and turn back to God. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And so the whole nation does. They repent, turn back to God. The Bible tells you that God's hand comes upon him. He raises up a deliverer. They go out and fight the enemy, set them free. Bang, Israel's free again, worshipping God. Then after a while, we forget about God and we start worshipping other things. God withdraws his hand and enemy nation. It's a cycle. The book of Judges is just this massive cycle of how a whole nation went round and round and round and round the mountain because they wouldn't learn the lessons. And I do that and you do that. And it's time that we stop doing that. And we learn that in the midst of those moments, there are things that God wants to show us. The first thing that I see in the Bible and the first thing that I've seen in my life when it comes to the purposes of storms is that storms help us to learn commitment. Storms help you learn commitment. How many of you know it's very, very easy to follow the West Tigers when they're winning every game? Huh? The first two rounds this year, mate, it was easy to follow the Tigers. I saw people getting around with, all of a sudden, all you traders, all you people that hide. I remember back in 2005 when the West Tigers came from nowhere and set the rugby league world on fire and won the grand final. I remember that year, I thought there was only about five Tiger supporters in the world. I was convinced there was only five of us because I couldn't find them anywhere. Nobody wanted to wear their, 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 their merchandise, their hat, the, the shirt. You wouldn't be seen in public with it, you know. Um, nobody would, was, was online talking about And then all of a sudden, we had this magic run towards the grand final. And I'll tell you what, we had millions of supporters. I got people from overseas emailing me, yeah, go the Tigers. Like, you, don't, you don't even follow rugby league and now you're jumping on the Tigers bandwagon. All of a sudden, all these people were supporting the Tigers. It's easy to be committed when things are going well. I'd love to see the statistics between 2005 and now and let's see how many of us are still hanging around. Probably back to five of us. Well, Pete, there's six. I didn't count you in the original five, Pete. There's six of us now. It's easy to be committed to anything in life when everything's going well and comfortable. How many of you remember, those of you that are married? Let me... I'm going to make a wild assumption here and assume that when you first met each other, it must have been pretty good. To get to that point where one of you said, will you marry me? And the other one says, yes, it must have been pretty good. The, 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 the amount of commitment required from you was probably easily given because the environment was so great. How many of you know? Dun, dun, walk down the aisle. I do. I do. 12 months, two years, five years, 10 years. How many of you know that there are moments where it gets a little bit harder to maintain that same passionate level of commitment. To do it takes a bit more work. Anyone find that? How many of you remember the day you brought your children home from the hospital and you were so committed to loving this little tiny human being that God had given to you and you just, and it didn't matter what it did. It could poop in that nappy. You didn't care. You loved it and you're so committed. I'll change. And when you, you know, when you, you first have your baby too, the baby poos, it's almost like you're fighting over who's got, no, I'll change it. No, I want it. No, I want to change it. We're committed to that. You know, give it six months. Do you want to change it? No, it's your turn. No, no. The pressure comes on, the storms come, and it gets a little bit harder to commit. When me and Jackie got married, we used to have this little saying, we still do it every now and then. It's a bit of a joke. And what we do is, is if we had a bit of a patch and we may have had a, um, we'll call it a passionate disagreement about something. And yes, 
Every, every, every married couple has passionate disagreements. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, and we have some passionate disagreements. And when we've had a passionate disagreement, one of us will usually go to the other. Is there love or commitment? Because we understood early on in our marriage that love is like this, people think it's a feeling. And I've got this fluffy, nice feeling. But in that moment, after a passionate disagreement, I don't have that fluffy, nice feeling all of a sudden. So is there love, that fluffy feeling, or is there commitment? And the answer is usually, no, no, there's commitment. Love will come back eventually when the commitment subsides and the feelings take over. But for right now, let's just call it commitment, shall we? It's easy to commit in the midst of a nice, happy, cool, good, flowing environment. It's very, very hard to stay committed when pressure comes on. It's hard to stay committed to the decisions of life that you have made when you suddenly find yourself under pressure. How many marriages, how many marriages have fallen apart because they found themselves in the middle of a storm and they just couldn't handle the pressure? How many relationships, friendships have broken down because a storm came and the pressure was put on and they couldn't manage, maintain that commitment in the middle of a storm? It's easy to commit to anything when everything is going your way. It's a totally different thing to commit when things are not going your way. It's easy to get out of bed in the morning and commit to a healthy lifestyle and I'm going to eat breakfast every morning and healthy food and I'm going to jog every morning and I'm going to stay. It's easy to do that. How many of you know when you wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning though and it's pouring down rain, even though you've got a raincoat, that commitment gets challenged. You go out to a friend's place and they've chucked your favourite KFC chicken legs on the table. And you've made a commitment. No, no, I'm just eating rabbit food from now on. I'm going to eat rabbit food and drop 100 kilos and whatever. And then all of a sudden you're at that barbecue and out comes the Domino's and the KFC. And all of a sudden it takes a little bit more pressure to stay the course and to keep committed because the environment has changed. There's a bit more going on there inside. There are things pulling you this way, pulling you that way, and all you've got is your commitment. And it makes that commitment so much more harder to uphold, so much more harder to hang on to. The Cambridge Online Dictionary says commitment is this, a willingness to give your time and energy to something you believe in or a promise or firm decision to do something. A willingness to give your time and energy to something you believe in. You will only commit to those things that you believe in. And in the midst of pressure, in the midst of a storm, you'll be found out very quickly whether you really believe in something or you don't. We're we're lucky in this country as far as our faith goes. We don't find ourselves in those situations where people are going to run in the door with a gun and hold it to us and go, deny your Jesus or we'll shoot you. Uh, Has anyone subscribed to uh, Voice of the Martyrs here? No? You should. I'm encouraging you to do it. Get online, Voice of the Martyrs. It's a a magazine that uh, gives voice to what's going on in the persecuted church around the world. Uh, it used to be, I think used to, I used to get it in the magazine, but now, now it comes online. But um, they'll, they'll, they'll share with you stories, stuff that's going on. Basically storms that believers, your brothers and, and sisters, are facing in other nations where they don't have the freedoms and liberties that we have. And these stories are common. The stories are common of people being imprisoned for their faith. A storm comes and they're told by the authorities, I will take your wife and your children away. We will lock you up for the rest of your life. 
to get out of it, all you've got to do is say, I don't believe in Jesus. Simple as that. That's all you've got to do. And they won't do it. And they suffer the consequences of that. They're committed. They've made a decision about what is right for life and what is wrong in life. They've made a decision about how they want their life to look. They've made a decision about what they want their life to be built upon. What is your life built upon? What are the things that you are committed to? What do you want your life to look like? In order for it to look like this, I've got to be committed to this. If I don't commit myself to this, I won't have this. What commitments do you make in your life? What are you committed to? What are the things that you're passionate about? A good illustration of commitment is this. A pig and a chicken were walking by a church where a gala charity event was taking place. Getting caught up in the spirit of the gala charity event, the pig suggested to the chicken that they each make a contribution. Great idea, the chicken said. Let's offer them ham and eggs. Not so fast, said the pig. For you, that's a contribution. For me, it's a total commitment. For the chicken, it's just a contribution. I'll pop a couple of eggs out. For the pig to provide the ham, you're laying down your life for that one. It's a total commitment. Commitment leads to action, and action leads to change. If you're going to be successful in any area of your life, you've got to learn to commit. If you're going to have successful relationships with people, I'm not just talking marriages, I'm talking friendships, you've got to learn to commit. If you're going to be successful in business, how many of you know, those of you that are involved in business, you have to make commitments, you have to commit. You have to be solid and stay the course. Pressure will come. Things will come against you to try to pull you this way, pull you that way. My wife took up university uh, as a mature age student a handful of years back. She's got a a husband that was working full time. She's got four children and she took on a university workload in her her early uh, 40s. Very early, extremely early 40s. Way earlier, earlier than... 26 when she started. I've dug that hole, I'm going to just surrender. I'm committed to facing the consequences. My wife, she took up university. She started studying as a mature age student. And I'll tell you what, the commitment that she's had to make to do that. There have been a lot of storms have come. There are a lot of pressures and temptations to go and do other things. At night time, when we're sitting there watching the football with the sound right down, because the office is right near the TV, so we've got to have the sound right down. She's in there doing readings and so on. When other people are out doing stuff, she's at home, or she's at the library, or she's doing whatever it is. She's reading. She's up at, at I think, I don't even know what time of day it is, but I, just, I reckon Jesus is still in bed himself. It's that early in the morning. She wakes up, it's dark. She, I, I only know because I hear the alarm go off, and then I see this little light of the phone go out in the lounge room, and then she's out there. And every morning by the time I get up, she's done half a day reading, studying, committing to that which she feels called to do, committing to what she feels like she needs to do. And with that commitment means she's got to do things and she's got to sacrifice other things. And there have been many pressures, many things that have come against her in that time, as you can imagine, with a family, as you can imagine, just with life. She works part-time as well. A lot of things have come, tried to rattle her cage. She's had a lot of uh, situations in her family world that have come in the last few years and so on. A lot of things that would, would take people... I reckon it would most of those things, some of those things would have taken me out. I couldn't have committed and done what she's done. But she's done it, and she's almost at the end of the line. She's got end of this year. Hopefully she'll be completed. I think it's an amazing effort. But the commitment that she's had to make to do that, the decision that she's had to make, this is what I want my life to look like. This is where I'm going. And I won't be sidetracked by this or sidetracked by that. I'll stay the course and I'll focus. And when the storms come, I'll ride them out. 
But I'll keep my focus. I'll keep my gaze and I'll keep heading in that direction. Jesus had called these disciples and they were following God into the future and they ended up in a storm. There are no guarantees that when you follow God into the future, it will all be calm seas. As a matter of fact, there are guarantees that there will be stormy seas. That could almost be a worship song, couldn't it? It rhymed really well. There are no guarantees of calm seas, but guarantees of stormy seas. But Jesus sees amidst the seas. Do you see? Uh, That's why I'm not a worship leader, people. Uh, Many of us find also that storms quite often come on the back of great victories. Anyone notice that in their life? Storms come on the back of great victories. This whole scenario has come about just after Jesus has fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. The disciples are on a tremendous high. Tremendous high. I would be. I'd be pretty stoked if I was a part of that whole setup. And on the back of that incredible high comes a storm, and quite often in our own lives. I wonder, I wonder at times whether that's because we're most vulnerable. Maybe it's when we have great success and victories, we drop our guard a little bit. We just relax that little bit. Just had a great breakthrough in prayer. So instead of going, wow, look at what it took to get here. Look at, look at, what I, look at the breakthrough we saw by committing ourselves to God in this particular area. Let's, let's maintain that commitment and let's keep going forward, but we, maybe we just relax a little bit. I don't know exactly what it is. But quite often we'll find a storm will come on the back of a great victory, on the back of great success. It's easy to be committed when things are going well, but real commitment is shown when the storms come. Commitment is a choice. It's not a feeling. I don't feel committed. Well, irrelevant. I feel like committing. Irrelevant. Commitment is a choice. It's a decision that we make. Whatever it is in life, wherever you're heading, whatever God's called you to, whatever you want to achieve, whoever you want to be, it comes back to making that choice and making those commitments. And if those commitments can be shaken, guess what? They will be. They will be. If those commitments can be unraveled, they will be. We've got to have that steely resolve inside of us that when we commit to something, we're committing to it. Let me ask you a couple of questions. How do you know whether you're just interested in your relationships or whether you're committed to them? Find yourself in the middle of a storm and you'll, you'll get the answer. How do you know whether you're just interested in God's will for your life or whether you're committed to it? Well, wait for a storm to come along. It'll answer the question for you. How do you know whether you're just interested in the career path that you've chosen or whether you're committed to it? Wait for some pressure. See what you do. See what you put up with. How do you know whether you're just interested in church or whether you're committed to it? You know, when we, this is not heavy by the way, but you know, we have uh, people that have come to us and said, Arise is their church. We've got over 60 people. Over 60 people. Yeah, I know, that's what I do every Sunday to Pat. I have a look and go, Where are they all? But you bump into them in the street and they contact us. Go, oh, no, we're committed. That's it. And I understand that's not a heavy. I understand that, that there are different reasons why people come and some weeks we can't make it. It's not at all a heavy at all. I know that things happen in life and so on. All right? So please don't take that to an extreme. I'm not counting numbers, but I'm just saying, how do you know whether you're really committed? 
I'll tell you what, for a lot of people, they come up and go, oh, no, and we've seen this already in the first 12 months of church. I just want to let you guys know we are committed to this church. This is our church. We'll be... And then they disappear. Oh, this happened and that happened, and oh, it's just, yeah, you had a couple of storms come. I don't mind. I don't mind. But my thoughts are you were interested in the church and are really committed to it. That's fine. No dramas. But you want to know if you're interested in something or committed to it? Wait till pressure comes. Do you want to know whether you're interested in giving or committed to it? Wait till pressure comes. Do you want to know whether you're interested in prayer or just committed to it? Wait till pressure comes. Do you want to know if you're interested in this word or committed to it? Wait till a storm comes. Wait till pressure comes. When the storms come, interest participates as long as the circumstances permit. Commitment does not care about circumstances. Commitment simply does. Commitment simply does. It's not about feelings. It's not about circumstances. It's not about environment. In Barcelona, in the Olympics in 1992, I came across a story about a guy called Derek Redman. Anyone ever heard of Derek Redman? 1992 uh, Olympics, Barcelona Olympics. Britain's Derek Redman had dreamed all of his life of winning a gold medal in the 400 metre race. His dream was in sight. As the gun sounded in the semi-finals of Barcelona, he was running the race of his life. He could see the finish line as he rounded the turn into the back stretch. Suddenly he felt a sharp pain go up the back of his leg. He fell face first onto the track with a torn right hamstring. Sports Illustrated recorded the dramatic events from here on. As the medical attendants were approaching, Redman fought to his feet. It was animal instinct, he would say later. He set out hopping in a crazed attempt to finish the race. When he reached the stretch, a large man in a T-shirt came out of the stands, hurled aside a security guard and ran to Redmond, embracing him. It was Jim Redmond, Derek's father. You don't have to do this, he told his weeping son. Yes, I do, said Derek. Well then, said Jim, we're going to finish this together. And they did. Fighting off security men, the son's head sometimes buried in his father's shoulder. They stayed they stayed in Derek's lane all the way to the end as the crowd gasped, then rose, howled and then wept. That's commitment in the midst of pressure. That's commitment in the midst of pressure. Not being turned, not being diverted. You know, early in our relationship, I had prayed and sought God. No, I wasn't looking for a wife or a life partner, but uh, the story just reminded me of this, this week when I was looking at this. And I remember I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, this lady here is, is, is ripe for the picking. <laughs> I can say that in front of a crowd and get away with it. <laughs> this lady here is going to see the brilliance that is you. <laughs> Fall madly in love with you. <laughs> and, want... <laughs> and commit the rest of her days to you, serving you. I made that last bit up. But um, God spoke to me and, and said, this was the one. And so we started pursuing a bit of a relationship and relationship started. We were dating for a week. One week. And then Jackie came to me and she said, uh, I believe this is wrong and we need to call off this relationship. I was shattered. I can tell you now. If I'm honest, it was one of the hardest heartbreaking moments of my life. Because I was brought up, uh, I got saved when I was 19. And one of the things that still sticks in my head was a really, really old lady uh, by the name of Janice Hodgson from Canberra. And Janice Hodgson came and she taught on this training school I was doing on the area of relationships. And Janice said this to us, the class. She said, said, if you're dating a person without the intention of marriage, you're dating somebody else's wife. That's what she said. 
And it stuck with me. And I thought, that's, that's pretty cool. I don't want to muck around. I'm 19 years of age at this stage. I don't want to go mucking around with, with, with a woman's emotions and feelings and my emotions and feelings. I'm, I'll do it God's way now. I've done enough of that. Now I'll just wait and I'll pray and I'll ask God and God, when the time's right and the person, maybe you will, you know. Uh, and, and, and it happened. And so all of a sudden, here I am with this, with this girl. And I'm thinking, right, that's the, will we date? Yes, we start dating. I'm thinking straight away, this is going to go to marriage. This is where it's heading because otherwise I'm not interested. And I said that to her before we started dating. I said, if you can't look at me as a prospective husband, I said, I don't want you to, to say yes to me. I don't want to date you if you can't look at me and go, that's, that's the man I, I want to marry. If you can't look at me as the father of your children, I, don't, I want you to be honest. I'd rather find that out now. So she did all this. She said yes to me with all this knowledge and then she turned around and stabbed me in the back. (laughs) I was shattered. I'll tell you, I was shattered. I went back to my room and I sobbed and I bawled and and my immediate first thought was just suppress the feelings, get on with life, uh, put myself out there. I'm a good-looking dude. I'll find somebody else. You know, it's a Christian training school. There's only a couple of us and I'm the best-looking Anyone that comes through those doors, I'm your choice. I'm funny, I'm sporty, I'm, I'm the man. But you know what? I couldn't. Because I felt like God had spoken to me that she was the one. I had already committed my heart to her. I knew inside I had already gone, this is the one for me. And as tough and as hard as what it was, I had to pray. And I spent a whole week praying to seek, going, God, I can't, I can't settle with this. I'm not prepared for this because, God, you said this. Now, if I'm wrong, Lord, speak to me and go, Al, you heard me wrong. Sweet, I'll back away and let it go. But, God, I don't believe you're saying that to me. And so for a week I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. God, let her see how wonderful I am. Let her see how fantastic I am. God, open the eye. Devil, you get your hands off her. And I prayed everything. I prayed everything. And in the end, she came back to me a week later and she said, you know what? I think I got it wrong. And then she began to talk about some of the reasons why. And there were some issues and things going on in her heart as to why she felt like this relationship wasn't going to work. And, and it's been a journey of, of, of dealing with those things myself. We all do. We've all got stuff that we're dealing with and we're going through. But the thing is, I was so committed to that course that even her looking me in the eye, the very uh, object of my affection telling me that this is not going to happen, I was so committed and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that this is right that I couldn't just throw that commitment away. I had to stand there and I had to pray and I had to seek God and I had to call out to God and so on. And that's what commitment is. It doesn't matter about the circumstances. You know, I remember hearing uh, years ago, who had ever seen that show, Walker, Texas Ranger? Hey, come on. Walker, Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris. Ha! Every time you say Chuck Norris, ha! You've got to do something like that. It's just what you do. Come on, Pete, I know you love the show. Walker, Texas Ranger. I remember seeing an interview with Chuck Norris. And Chuck Norris, he, said, he, he, was, he, he felt like, because he's a Christian, he prayed and he said, God spoke to me and said that that part of Walker, Texas Ranger was for me. So he said, I went to the auditions and trial for it and he said, I got rejected. You know that? He was not the original Walker, Texas Ranger. He got rejected. They told him, no, you're not the person we're looking for. He said, I went away and he said, I was really disappointed, but I felt really strongly that the Lord had spoken to me. That was my role. That was my part. So he said, I prayed and I sought God and God just kept reassuring me, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Everything in the natural was saying no. They hired another person. They'd moved on from Chuck Norris. 
But he knew that he knew that he knew that God had said, that's your role. And so he committed himself to it. He didn't worry about the circumstances, worry about the pressure of the situation. And the rest is history. Walker, Texas Ranger, is now a legend. The ultimate hero. Cool. Can fight. Always got the right words, a bit like Horatio in um, CSI. Always got the right word to say at the right time, hold the glasses the right way, the whole, the whole package, Chuck Norris. The whole package. The thing is commitment. It's not about circumstances. What are you committed to? Are you committed to anything? Or in the midst of storms, it's like James says, that, that when it, when the, like that wave of the sea tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, with every idea, with every pressure, with every thought. What do you want to be in life? Who do you want to be in life? What do you want to achieve in life? What do you believe the Lord has called you to? What do you want your family to look like? What do you want your marriage to look like? All of these questions paint pictures. And to get those pictures, you have to make decisions. And you have to commit to those decisions. Otherwise, this is all fantasy. You're leaving it all to chance. Change starts with commitment. What change do you want to see? Commit to it. How do you know if you're committed? Wait till pressure comes, because pressure will come. But stay the course. Dig your heels in and commit. Christy, I might get you to come on back. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up there. I've got more things that I want to move on to, but don't want to keep you here all day. And that's the story of the wise and foolish builder. Wise and foolish builder. The Bible tells us, actually, let's, let's go there. Matthew, I think it's, is it Matthew? Is it Matthew 7? Matthew chapter 7. I want to read this story. The wise and foolish builder. We all know the story. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Here's these sayings of mine and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house. It did not fall because it was founded on the rock. How was it founded on a rock? How did it get that stability? There was a decision made. There was a commitment. There was a commitment. What was the commitment? To do what he said. The commitment was to the word of God to do what Jesus said. He said, I'll tell you what a wise man is. He hears my words and he does them. Commitment leads to action. Without commitment, there is no action. And then he goes on and he says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. In other words, you hear these sayings of mine, but you don't commit. Here's what he looks like. He's a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. How many of you know that everything was exactly the same for both the man, the wise man and the foolish man? Their circumstances were exactly the same. They both built a house. They both had storms beat against the house. Jesus starts off by saying they both heard the words of Christ. Everything's exactly the same. The opportunities that both of them have got is exactly the same opportunity. What's the difference? There's only one difference. The Bible says that one 
committed himself to doing it. The other one heard the words but didn't commit to doing it. One of them heard the words of Jesus and obeyed. One heard the words of Jesus and didn't do anything about it. The only difference between a wise person and a foolish person is what you commit to. What has God said to you about your life? What has he said about who you should be? What has he said to you about your family? You know, there's the unknown will of God, that which the Spirit of God speaks into your heart, tells you, speaks to you. Alan, this is the woman. It's not in the Bible. I can't find a passage in there. And thou shalt, Alan, go and marry thy Jackie. It's not there. It's the unknown, what we call the unknown will of God, where the Spirit of God speaks to me. And I know and I know and I seek counsel and everything's right. And I know that's... But how many of you know there's a known will of God as well? It's here. And everybody has access to it. How we should live our lives. How we should deal with people. How we should deal with each other in the context of marriage. How we should... What sort of people we should be in society. How we should manage our finances how we should manage our prayer life. How we should it, it's, it, There's so much stuff in here that the wise man goes, there it is, I'm going to do that. I'm going to commit to that. The foolish man goes, gee, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Wow, you know Jesus said this. You know the Bible talks about this. Did you know that? That's really interesting. I'm, I'm not going to do anything with it. It's just, just want you to know it's really interesting. What makes the difference in our lives is commitment. And you only know that commitment in the middle of a storm. Years ago, I wrote in the front of my Bible, some, I think it was A.W. Tozer, somebody like that. They made this statement. They said, you, you only know the existence of faith when it's tested. I can talk about faith all I want, what I believe and what I think is right. And I can, I can paint pictures and tell you how I think a family should be treated. But if I'm not doing it, I don't really believe that. If I don't believe it enough to commit myself to it, then I've got to sit back and have a bit of a look and be humble enough to go, well, you know what, God, the truth is I'm really interested in having a good family, but I don't think I'm really committed to it. I've got to sit back and go, Lord, you know what, I'm really interested in developing a prayer life, but the truth is, Lord, I'm not that committed to it for whatever reason. I'm really interested, God, in in, in, in being a part of a, a, a you know a church, but I'm just not committed to it. I'm really interested in, in, in time with my kids, Lord. I'm really interested in interest, I, I, but I'm just not committed to it. It's that place of humility, that starting point where we be honest with God. We go, okay, Lord, this is what I want my world to look like. This is what it looks like currently. In order for that to look like that, I've just got to keep doing what I'm doing because that's the result I'm getting. If I want it to look like that, I've probably got to look at my commitments and change a few things. Does that make sense? One of the first purposes of storms in our world is to test our commitment, test our resolve. Father, I want to thank you this morning, Lord, that your commitment was tested. That Jesus, when you hung on that cross, your commitment was tested. You were under pressure. You had made a commitment. You had come into this world for a purpose and for a reason. And you were tested and tested and tested and tested and tested. 
You came under pressure and pressure and storms and storms to the point where Christ himself in the Garden of Gethsemane cried out to the Father and said, if there is another possible way, if you are going to make an offer that I can learn this or do this or whatever, some other way that might be a bit easier and relieve a bit of pressure, I am, I, 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 would, I would put my hand up and take it. But it's not about me, it's about you. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. The only way the will of God comes about in your life is with that kind of commitment. Father, I just pray for each of us here this morning, Lord. God, I pray that if we are going through pressures, if we are going through storms, Father, we're facing things right now. God, I pray that you would give us the ability to discern those which have come past your table that have been allowed by you as tests, as things to build commitment into us, Lord. Father, we live in such a short-term uh, world where, where commitment is really not a big deal, Father. We throw away relationships. We throw away careers. We throw away churches. We have a throwaway society, God, where we, we can have something for as long as we like it. And then when we don't like it anymore, we move on. Father, it shouldn't be like that with your people, God. It shouldn't be like that in the kingdom of God. So, Father, I pray this morning, speak to us. Open the eyes of our heart to see what we may be facing in life right now. Show us those areas of commitment, God, where you want to challenge us. God, show us those areas where we need to take action steps today. Change a couple of things and commit to it. And, Father, as we go forward in the future, give us the ability to stand firm, to not cry out and accuse you and blame you. But, Father, give us the ability to curl up on a pillow next year. Trust the Father. We ask you this this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's it for this morning. We're going to hang around up the front here. We'd love to pray with anybody if you uh, have any needs this morning or you feel like God's been speaking to you. Uh, I told you last week I, I, I had no intention of speaking on this. I've got some other messages that I think are fantastic, but obviously God doesn't agree with me. And so he's got me speaking on this, and I believe he's got me speaking on this for a reason. There's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of people's worlds. God's building some good stuff into us. Have a great week. Hang around for tea and coffee up the back. Have a chat with somebody, preferably someone you've never met before. It's the only way to meet new people. We'll see you next week down at Seacoast. Amen.